Welcome to the Bible Truth Podcast with Ron and Tim Reynolds, pastors and Bible teachers. Pastor Ron and Pastor Tim combined for more than 70 years of teaching and preaching God's Word. Listen now as they share the eternal truths of the Bible. Hello, everyone. Today we are in the book of 2 Thessalonians, chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. I want to speak to you on the title of The Great Falling Away. The Apostle Paul writes in 2 Thessalonians 2 and verse 1, Now we beseech you or beg you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that you be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled. Neither be uh, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first. That's what we're going to talk about. And that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. With increasing frequency, we are witnessing professed believers, successful authors, prominent preachers, some in the uh, even gospel music entertainment industry, who are turning their backs on the church and the truth of the gospel. For example, in 1997, at the age of 22, a young man named Josh Harris wrote a best-selling Christian book titled, I Kissed Dating Goodbye. It was a biblical approach to dating and relationships. He soon became the pastor of a very large church and seemed to be a rising star in evangelical circles. But then in 2018, he announced that his marriage was over and he renounced his faith in Jesus Christ. In an Instagram social media post, he said this, quote, I have undergone a massive shift in regard to my faith in Jesus. The popular phrase for this is deconstruction. The biblical phrase is falling away. By all the measurements that I have for defining a Christian, I am not a Christian, end quote. Now, though a departure or falling away from the faith seems to be accelerating today, it is certainly not a new phenomenon. In fact, the Apostle Paul tells us about an apostate named Demas. Now, we're introduced to him in the book of Colossians chapter 4, And verse 14, where Paul says, Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. Now, we don't know a lot about Demas, uh, but Demas apparently was with Paul and Luke for a while on uh, their missionary journeys. But then when you go to 2 Timothy chapter 4, we find something different. In verse 10, Paul says here, for Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. What happened to Demas? There was a two-year period between what Paul wrote in Colossians 4 and what he wrote in 2 Timothy chapter 4. What happened in those two years that caused Demas to forsake his faith and embrace the world? Well, the Bible doesn't tell us. Uh, We have no idea whether it was persecution, whether it was peer pressure. Uh, The Bible just doesn't say. But we can look at recent Christian headlines and some statistics to reveal the state of today's church. For example, there are nearly 75 million millennials, that would be those who are from ages 25 to 40, in America today. That's almost a fourth of the entire American population. Now, of those 75 million, 43% of them describe themselves as religiously unaffiliated. That was in 2018. Now, four years later have gone by. I'm sure that number has increased. 
Also, according to Gallup polling, uh, United States church membership came in at 73% uh, before, and it is now less than 50%. Now, the great falling away is not simply about leaving the church, uh, getting out of church, or backsliding. It's about getting getting away from and abandoning the entire foundational elements of Christian doctrine. I think there are five of those, the five foundational elements of Christian doctrine, if you want to jot these down. Uh, one of them is the deity of Jesus Christ, all right? That, that's foundational. That would include uh, the virgin birth, the sinless uh, blood, the uh, atonement, all of that wrapped up in the deity of Jesus Christ. Number two, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that he, he literally bodily raised from the grave. Number three, the sufficiency of Scripture, that the entire Word of God from Genesis through Revelation is 100% the Word of God without error, without any mistakes. Number four, the biblical view of sexuality and marriage. Boy, hasn't that changed with the introduction of so-called gay marriage and the confusion with the LGBTQIA movement and, and transgenderism and, and uh, gender dysphoria, confusion among especially young people. And then the fifth one is salvation through Christ alone. The idea that there are other ways to heaven and uh, you can get there as long as you are sincere. Those are five foundational things that uh, some are abandoning in today's Christendom. Now, apostasy and atheism are not the same thing. That word apostasy uh, is something that uh, applies to those who at one time made either a mental or an emotional, or maybe even a verbal profession of faith in Jesus Christ, and then they turned their backs on it. The truth is they didn't lose their salvation. They were never saved in the first place. This is what the book of Hebrews chapter 6 is talking about, and this is a difficult scripture, and I want to just uh, read it and and explain it to you. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 4 says, for it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, if they should fall away. That's what we're talking about today, the great falling away. That's a word we use as apostasy. If they shall fall away, they reject that truth, they deny it, to renew them again into repentance. That's impossible. Uh, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. Now, you will notice the word tasted is referred to there and partakers. What's going on here? This describes someone that maybe because they were with a group or maybe an emotional experience or at the time they they thought that they meant it, whatever it was, they they had a little taste of salvation. They got a little taste of the Holy Spirit and and they even maybe professed it verbally, or maybe they made an emotional or mental uh, profession, but they were never really sincere. It never really took root in their heart. Uh, what's happened there is that they they got a taste of salvation, but it never really reached the heart and never changed and never made them a new creature. And then they turned their back on it, 
the Bible says they, it's impossible for that person to ever be saved because they have had a taste of the truth, and then they have turned their back on the truth. They have rejected truth. That is what apostasy is. Now, why does that occur? Why does that happen where someone seems to have had an, an emotional, a, a verbal, or a mental profession, but never a real heart change uh, and experience of salvation? Well, some fall away because they are deceived. All right, there's a lot of deception, unfortunately, even within the church today. The Bible talks about that in the book of 1 Timothy uh, chapter 4 and verses 1 and 2. The Bible says here, Now the Spirit, Holy Spirit, speaketh expressly that in the latter times, this would be in the last days, and I personally think we are there, some shall depart from the faith. They will turn their back on what they once claimed they believe, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. They have actually fallen for a dupe of the devil. Uh, they have looked like they have been part of the faith, but they've turned their back on it, maybe through some false teaching they have been exposed to, but whatever the case is. They have fallen away because they have been deceived. Now, some are out there to deceive people today. They have for years, really since the founding of the church. Men and women who are deceivers cause spiritual damage. They often do it for financial gain. They will promise miracles for money, and they'll push everything from books and DVDs to some sort of special water or special cloth. And what they are... They are cold and callous and calculating, and their consciences, the Bible says, has been seared over, which allows them to take advantage of people without any guilt or any remorse. They are deceivers, and so they lead others astray because of their deception. And then some fall away, not only because they are deceived, but they become disillusioned. I'm going to read from Luke chapter 8. <clears throat> excuse me, and verses 4 through 15. The Bible says in Luke 8 and verse uh, verse 4, And when much people were gathered together and were come to him out of every city, he spake by a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed, and he sowed. Some fell by the wayside, and it was trodden down, and the fowls of the air devoured it. And some fell upon a rock, and as soon as it was sprung up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. And other fell on good ground and sprang up and bare fruit a hundredfold. And when he had said these things, he cried, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And his disciples asked him, saying, What might this parable be? And he said unto you, It is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to others in parables. Parables are uh, uh, spiritual truths wrapped up in earthly stories, and that's what a parable is. And he says, it's been to be revealed to you the mysteries of God through parables, that seeing they might not see, and hearing they might not understand. Now, the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. So Jesus actually explains this parable. Verse 12, those by the wayside are they that hear. Then cometh the devil and taketh away the word out of their hearts, that they should believe, lest they should believe, and be saved. They are deceived by the devil, by the great deceiver. They hear the word, and then before it can really take root, the, the devil comes along and snatches it away. 
Verse 13, they on the rock are they which when they hear receive the word with joy. That sounds like an emotional experience. It sounds really good. The problem is these have no root, which for a while believe, and in time of temptation or trouble, trials, problems, they fall away. There's that term again. What's happened with this group? They have had an emotional encounter with truth. It sounds just like what they've been searching for. Man, they're happy. They, they may cry. They may uh, have just a, a, a real emotional outburst. And then you don't see them a few weeks later. And you wonder, what was the problem? Was that real? Were they sincere? Well, they were sincerely looking for a solution, but they were not really looking for a savior. Sooner or later, they become disillusioned because of disappointment or difficulties in this life, and they fall away. Why do they fall away? Well, Jesus tells us there, they have no root. It was all a facade. You know what a facade is? Something that looks like it's real. You know, sometimes on a building, you'll look at something, you think it's brick, and then you'll go up and tap on it, and it's really just cheap sort of material. That's a facade. Uh, It wasn't real. They were disillusioned. And then some fall away because they are distracted. That's the next group Jesus talks about in Luke 8 and verse 14. He says, And that which fell among thorns are they which, when they have heard, go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. Now, this apparently was Demas. When he was forced to choose between the spiritual blessings of following Jesus and the physical pleasures of this life, he gravitated back to the world. A lot of people do that. They want the spiritual blessings, but boy, when the tough times come or opportunities come in this world, they gravitate back toward that. That was Demas. He got distracted. Uh, You know, in basic training, uh, we used to call uh, whenever you had to do something, you didn't really like it, you would play the game. You would just go along with it. Some people play the Christian game for a few months. They go along with it, but ultimately uh, they are revealed as imposters. Maybe not even in this life. You know, Jesus said this, in that day, at the judgment day, many will say, Lord, Lord, did we not do many wonderful works in your name? Jesus, we were, we were sincere. We were at church. We, we did all of these things. Didn't you see that? Jesus says it was all a facade. Depart from me. I never knew you. You mean you can even go to church and you can look the part and play the part and yet not really be saved? Yeah, according to the Bible. Now, with these winds of apostasy blowing stronger in in the last days, how do we protect ourselves? How do we prepare ourselves to keep from falling away? Again, the, the word we use is apostasize. Apostasy, it means fall away, fall from truth. There are three things that a believer can do, all right? So you say, I, I don't want to fall away. I, I want to make sure that I stay with the truth. Well, here's how you do it. Number one, We are to examine ourselves. We should examine ourselves. The Apostle Paul writes this in 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5. He says, examine yourselves whither you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know you not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except you be reprobates. 
Now, you know, when you reach a certain age or maybe you're prone to certain types of cancers or diseases, a doctor will say, take a self-examination. Let's say you have a uh, a tendency to uh, get skin cancer. Maybe your parents had that or something, and you know that that's something you have to frequently do. You will check moles and dark spots for skin cancer. That's a self-examination. Well, how do we examine ourselves spiritually? If the Bible says to do it, there must be a way. Well, I think there are six questions that we can ask ourselves in this self-examination process. And again, these are things maybe you want to even write down. Number one, what is my attitude toward God? Do I see God as holy and righteous? Uh, What is my attitude toward God? Number two, what is my attitude toward sin? Uh, And especially my own sin. Do I excuse it? Do I think it's no big deal? Uh, What is my attitude toward my sin? Number three, What is my attitude toward Jesus Christ? Do I see him as just a good teacher, a good man, or do I see him as God in the flesh, as the only way to heaven? Here's number four. What is my attitude toward God's word? Do I see it as the inspired, infallible word of God, or do I think there are some mistakes? Do I think it's written by man's opinion? What is my attitude toward God's word? Number five. What is my attitude toward prayer? Do I see that as important as talking to God and being in fellowship with him and and communicating with him? What is my attitude toward prayer? And then number six, what is my attitude toward other Christians? You know, Jesus says, we know we have passed from death into life when we love the brethren. Do you love being around Christian people? Do you enjoy going to church to be with like-minded believers? Or is that drudgery to you? Do you not like being around other believers? Those are six things you can do to examine yourself spiritually. Ask, what is my attitude toward God, my attitude toward my sin, my attitude toward Jesus Christ, my attitude toward God's word, my attitude toward prayer, and what is my attitude toward other Christians? If you pass all of those, then you've done a great self-examination and you're not in fear of falling away. Here's something else you can do to not fall away, and that is encourage yourself. You know, everyone goes through times of discouragement. I don't know a, a Christian who, who doesn't. Some of the greatest preachers uh, and, and men of God throughout history battled depression. Uh, Martin Luther, the, the reformer, he did. In fact, his wife uh, came to the breakfast table one day dressed all in black, and, and uh, he asked her why. And she said, well, you act like it's a funeral around here, so I may as well dress for it. Uh, the Prince of Preachers, Charles Spurgeon, it is said that he would step away from his pulpit for months at a time, close himself up in a darkened room and have to have someone fill the pulpit because he went through bouts of depression. Uh, that happens uh, to all of us, depression and discouragement. Uh, and so there come there come certain times when you have to just encourage yourself. There's no one there to encourage you. David experienced that. In First Samuel chapter 30, you have an incident where David has returned from battle and all of the women and children have been taken hostage. And the men that he was with wanted to kill him. They blamed him for it. They thought he was responsible, and they even considered killing him. And the Bible says in First Samuel chapter 30 and verse 6, that David encouraged himself in the Lord. He was greatly distressed. 
The people spake of stoning him uh, he, because the soul of all the people was grieved. Their wives were gone. Their, their kids were gone. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Sometimes you don't have a cheer, cheering section. You don't have anyone to say, man, you can do it. Keep on keeping on. Sometimes you just have to encourage yourself. The good thing is Jesus has promised that he will never leave you nor forsake you. Nancy DeMoss said, I have learned to encourage myself in the Lord by meditating on specific promises from God's word and affirming they are true regardless of what I may feel in the moment. You see, to overcome those feelings, you have to go to God's word and know that it is true and encourage yourself. And then the third thing you can do is exercise yourself. Exercise yourself. Now, number one, we need to exercise ourselves for spiritual well-being. All right. Hebrews chapter five, verses 13 and 14 says, for everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. Now he's talking about someone who's not grown spiritually. They've not gotten into the word of God. They, they don't comprehend the word of God. And they're just like a baby that needs milk constantly. And he says in verse 14, but strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age. You reach an age where you don't want a bottle of milk. You want a T-bone steak. Even those who by, here it is, by reason of use, they use the word of God, they, they study it, they apply it, have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. As you, as you read the word of God, you take it in and you apply it to your life, your, your spiritual senses are being exercised and it helps you to live in this world, to discern, to make good decisions uh, between good and evil, between right and wrong. You see, your spiritual muscles have to be built up and trained and maintained just like physical muscles. Uh, you know, you take a weightlifter that lifts weight for a certain period of time and uh, bulks up. You know, he's got big muscles on his arms and his chest and legs, but then he stops training for a year. Guess what will happen to that weightlifter? Well, it doesn't take long for the muscle to change to fat. And that one-time muscular person now is fat and out of shape. What's happened there? Well, they've not kept the exercise up. That same thing applies spiritually. And then also you must exercise yourself for physical well-being being. Now, God has made man, men and women, has made us to require mental, emotional, and physical rest and exercise. If your body and your mind are out of shape, it will affect you both physically and spiritually. Jesus taught this to his disciples in Mark chapter 6 and verse 30. The Bible says, And the apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. Boy, they were exciting. They're telling Jesus, boy, we've done this and, and we've taught that. And the Bible says, he said unto them, come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going and they had no leisure so much as to eat. And they departed into a desert place by ship privately. Jesus says, hey, guys, I know you're excited, man. I know you've done this and you've taught that and that's wonderful. But there comes a time you need to just back away a little bit. You know, if you don't do that, you get what is called burnout. You get burned out. That can even happen in the ministry. And boy, a lot of a lot of preachers can get burned out from trying to be all things to all people. And Jesus says you need to, to come away and you need to relax and rest for a while. Someone has said this, if you don't come apart with Jesus, 
you'll come apart without him. And that is for uh, sure. And I think that's good for all of us, especially uh, in our hurried up society we live in today. So, you know, I, I pray the message was a help to you. This falling away, we're going to continue to see that. But just stay close to God, stay close to his word, and you won't have to worry about falling away from the truth of God's word. Make sure it takes root in your heart. We sure appreciate you listening to the Bible Truth for Living program on the radio and the Bible Truth prod- podcast. And uh, it's always a joy to be with you. I look forward to being with you again next time. And until then, this is Pastor Tim Reynolds saying, may God bless you is my prayer. You've been listening to the Bible Truth Podcast with your host pastors, Tim and Ron Reynolds. They can be contacted on the Mount Vernon Baptist Temple Facebook page, or you may send Pastor Tim an email to T-I-M-R-E-Y-1 at hotmail.com. Or if you prefer, mail correspondence to Bible Truth Podcast, 817 Woodland Drive, Mount Vernon, Illinois, 62864. Again, that's Bible Truth Podcast, 817 Woodland Drive, Mount Vernon, Illinois 62864. Thank you for listening.